0: Hey, we have missionaries with us yeah. And so, we are, uh, we're We're going to have Oh, well, welcome everyone It's uh, Roundup Sunday uh, Roundup Sunday is Brother Cole, this is yours Roundup Sunday is not necessarily just about cowboys Although we're kind of dressing western-ish uh, Some of y'all might look at me and say Wait a minute, overalls? Yeah, like in California in the 1800s Cowboys wore overalls Okay, so, uh, so did And so did ranchers and they were happy ranchers. Uh, some would even call them jolly ranchers. Uh, but uh, anyhow, uh, we, uh, we are excited to uh, round up or wrap up our uh, fall program. And so here in a little while, after, after uh, our lunch, we are going to have an award ceremony. It will be real fast. But uh, it'll be part of the, the quote-unquote evening service, which is going to be right after the morning service, after we have lunch. Um, and so we'll have some uh, awards, and uh, also, um, uh, what else are we doing? We might do some other things. If it's not raining or whatever, we might do some activities outside. I've got a rope somewhere. We can yes. tie people up, you know, st- something like that. And so, uh, uh, lasso children, yes. So, yes. That'll be a good time. Oh, and then after the evening or afternoon service, uh, uh, Brother brother Adams is preaching for this uh, afternoon service. Uh, brother Cole will be preaching for the morning service today. Um, after the um, evening service, we'll dismiss visitors, um, or you can hang around if you want to, but we're going to have the Lord's Supper. That is for our members only. Um, but all members uh, in good standing with no open sin in their lives are welcome to partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, And uh, if you're not right with God Get right right now Don't even wait till like altar call time Just get right Um, And uh, If you just need to come forward And pray for somebody else to get right That's fine too Uh, Anyhow uh, So we're going to have The the service will be similar to normal But a little bit different Um, But uh, The Cole family here Uh, As our missionaries we're going to pray for today They're going to be with us for the missions conference as well So Brother Cole hold your hand up Uh, Everybody in that pew right there Is the Cole family And uh, make sure you get to know them a bit Um, We're going to try to also Have them uh, do a Training session Um, If the calendar works out uh, For it it'll be the Saturday After Thanksgiving so we would do our Saturday um, Our Our our, um, we would do our Friday, our normal Friday visitation for the day after Thanksgiving, where we pass out the the tracks there uh, downtown, and then Saturday, instead of having the afternoon visitation, we'll come about noonish. If the uh, if the calendar, if the calendar works out, the schedule and the calendar work out, uh, then we will have uh, the uh, training. there It'd be, be, would you say, four to six hours, and so uh, women's self defense and um, a church. Uh, security meeting, and so, uh, that'd be a good time, um, and so uh, y'all pray that the schedule works out. Um, other than that, so we're going to pray, we're going to open in prayer, we're going to pray for the Coles right now, um, we'll just we'll just let you stay there and we'll pray for you this way, and we'll, we'll be praying around all the missionaries uh, the next couple days, and so we'll do that then, but uh, Pastor Adams, why don't you lead us in prayer, pray for the Coles and their ministry, it is uh, Operation Mordecai, right? Amen, amen. Pray for Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house today, Lord. We do pray that you'll meet with us.
1: Uh, Lord, we thank you for the whole family being here with us, Lord. I pray you bless them while they are here, Lord. And, uh, Lord, we just pray you with their ministry, Lord. And just ask that, Lord, that you'd uh, help us today, Lord, to just reverence you and uh, put our, our minds and our hearts upon you, Lord, that we might receive something from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. Hymn number 219, Little is Much. 219. You can remain standing if you can. See you. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you'd like to give to missions, you can give to missions while we sing this song. Um, there you go.
2: In the heart you now ride
0: Our missions conference uh, begins officially tomorrow. It'll be our missions emphasis month actually officially begins on Tuesday. Uh, But we are kind of kicking it off with our missions conference uh, beginning at the end of October, beginning of November, uh, because that's what worked out. We're going to have Dr. Darren Tharp with us uh, to preach for the main services. Amen. I'm repeating myself, aren't I? All right. So. No, I mean, I, I heard somebody play in the live stream. So, anyhow, um, <laughs> I was repeating myself, you know, a couple seconds delayed. Um, you're here. You don't have to watch the live stream. I'm just kidding. Um, you can watch it again later. So, um, I already mentioned Lord's Supper this afternoon, that stuff. Um, youth Rally on Friday at 7. It's going to be at Liberty Baptist Church uh, down on Emerson Avenue. Um I, I didn't put what time we're leaving Because probably just go meet there So it's, it's down the road Not very far away 7pm, try to be early if you can If you'd like to have a seat Amen. Um, Another announcement Last night um, My son Proposed to Shana hey. and, uh, She said no But um, I'm yeah. just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding Boy, that'd be a horrible announcement, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, no, she said yes, and so uh, they're excited. They're now engaged to be married, and so uh, they don't have a date set yet. Uh, we'll figure that out sometime in the next twenty-four hours or so. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, we'll we'll uh, we'll get a date set. They're they're looking at sometime next year. So we'll we'll see how the Lord leads with that and how well they can prepare, and so. Uh, uh, y'all, y'all pray for them as they prepare and continue to keep them accountable. Amen. What? Not. It'll be after March, okay? <laughs> Sometime after March next year. All right. So, um, Amen. So our our normal. Uh, I'm excited about that. By the way. Anyhow, they they've been together two years now. So since they were uh, seven years old. I'm just kidding. They're they're nine and ten now. Um, <laughs> no, kids grow up way too fast. Anyhow, um, so we had a good time. Good time out. Out. Uh, thank you guys for the carriage ride. We shared it, and they enjoyed uh, riding on the carriage with us as well. So, um, so our regularly scheduled things um, Tuesday evening at five thirty. Brother Travis as the Tuesday uh, evening soul winning. Uh, it'll have to be abbreviated because we'll be here for service uh, at 7. However, uh, as far as the schedule goes for the missions conference, tomorrow, 7 p.m. services, nothing during the day. Uh, however, we would like to provide a meal for the missionaries before service, so maybe 5.30-ish on the meal if we can try to work that out, ladies, uh let me know if there's something I can do to help. Uh, you probably don't want me to cook for it, um, unless it's like bacon and eggs or something, uh, mashed potatoes or, I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, bacon and eggs, mashed potatoes, biscuits and gravy. Uh, what's that? Pretty solid, Pretty solid yeah. <laughs> Amen. So uh, anyhow, um, so that'll be tomorrow. And then, so service starts at 7, and it'll be done whenever we're done. Uh, we're going to have a couple of uh missionaries present tomorrow um, and uh what what we currently have lined up uh being with us tomorrow we have the Coles we have the Adams uh we have brother Tim uh, brother Tim amen i have his last name in my phone but i can't pronounce it so it's brother Tim from Burma and uh so he will be uh with us as well and then uh and and brother um Brother Romeo, who's with us online right now, Brother Romeo, how you doing? We love you. Uh, we'll see you again. We'll see you. You see us. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, he'll be live streaming in uh, through Zoom, and we'll put him up on the screens um, for that. And he'll give uh, he'll give a quick update on what the Lord's doing there in Mindanao. And so um, on Tuesday, we'll have the same folks with us, and then we're going to add Brother Cox if he's feeling well enough. So. Uh, pray for him. Uh, he's there in uh, Connorsville, but he is uh, he's, he's had some health issues lately. So there's a possibility he may not be able to make it, uh, but uh, either way, we'll pray for him. So um, that's... Uh, oh, so for Tuesday. Tuesday, we're trying to meet here around 11, have lunch around 11.30, uh, and then about 12 o'clock, we'd like to try to go... So that leaves us not a huge window to figure it out uh i am okay as long as the missionaries are okay with it um and actually i think y'all are gonna be the only missionaries with us and then the guest preacher because uh, he's working and unless he's sick that day <clears throat> uh but uh anyhow uh <laughs> so um that happened last week that was for real oh man so anyhow uh so uh we'll leave around noon on the bus and head out for a tour, uh, our church history tour, and brother Wilhelm is studying up for that. that no. Not, not a lot to study, only so much. That's right. That's right. So, we'll just let him drive. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. It'll be exciting. Yes. Amen. Well, everybody learn to pray and uh Exercise our faith. So, um, then we'll try to get back here with enough time to have uh, the evening meal before service with the missionaries, and then uh, have service. And those, if if y'all are running late or something, you can eat the evening meal after service. It'll be here. So, right. That's why I mean, run late for dinner. So, so. Um, that is Monday and Tuesday. Then we have, uh, as I mentioned, the youth rally on Friday. Of course, we've got uh, uh, church service on Thursday, um, and um, Saturday morning next week. Uh, brother uh, G, brother Gimlick, Pastor Gimlick. Sorry, that's why it wasn't registering because I don't usually call you brother. Pastor Gimlick will be um, uh, doing the Happy Days Bible Study. Uh, Well, the breakfast Bible study at Happy Days over yonder um, at 7 a.m. And then uh, he will be doing bus visitation thereafter officially at 10 a.m. If you'd like to participate, see him for details for that. And then at 2 p.m., it will be our regularly scheduled visitation um, and uh, our, our other Saturday visitation. So, bus visitation, and then ours is mainly. Uh, flyer and track distribution um, <clears throat> then uh, let's see here oh I skipped Friday while we're at the youth rally brother uh, Ramsey will be here uh, for the third session of simple steps program uh, see him for details on that and uh, he can get you get you uh, set up to be here amen um, what else are we what else do we have going on here I think that's it yeah, that's it. So, Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and make ready for the offering. Right. Come help us as we worship the Lord in the giving, Brother Travis. You lead us in prayer.
2: Heavenly Father, thank you for today, Lord.
0: your hymnals. Turn to hymn number 216. Stand with me once more here. 216. Yeah, there's a little bit of sitting down, standing up, sitting down, standing up. That's okay. You get a few squats in today. 216. Where I put that? It's gone. There it is. All right. 216. Dwelling in Beulah land. We're going to sing the first two and y'all stop me after that in case I keep going. We'll have a quick fellowship welcoming one another and and, uh, dismiss the uh, junior church folks. All right? So, 216. Far away thunder. qualify and head on down for junior church. back, we'll sing verses 3 and 4. Mm-mm-mm. <clears throat>
3: Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. You guys can go ahead and take a seat for a moment. We'll be uh, going through a, a handful of scriptures here in just a minute, but we're going to chat a little bit first. Um, we're glad to be here. We're really glad to be here for your missions conference. Um, missions is our passion. The, uh, the core of Operation Mordecai, which is the ministry that we're part of, uh, is missions work. Um, as we'll talk about more tomorrow in, in difficult places. Closed and restricted access countries, remote places, um, one of which we just got back from not too long ago from a trip. We'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow as well. But missions is a big passion of ours, and so uh, appreciate being here for that. Um, let's just go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Lord, just pray for your blessing on the service right now, Lord. Lord, I just pray for your spirit to come here and meet with us, Lord, as we... Uh, Study your word, Lord, and talk about some weighty topics. Lord, I just pray that you would um, put your words in my mouth, Lord. I got, I've got notes, Lord, but I want to hear from you, Lord. And I pray that you would just uh, guide and direct here and, and touch hearts. I ask this in your name. Amen. A couple of questions for you guys to start out with. Uh, some of you some of you know our, our ministry uh, often revolves around security work. And, and security is, is there because of physical danger, Right? And so, this is something that my family and I are, uh, I guess you would say, we're somewhat gifted with. We've uh, spent time in, in these areas. The pastor was talking about possibly being able to do some classes for you guys, women's self-defense and church security training, stuff like that. But there's a spiritual application to that, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. How does the physical world apply to the spiritual world? How can we take something like physical security and apply that spiritually? especially spiritually, to the cause of the gospel, right? That's what we're all about. If it's not forwarding the gospel of Jesus Christ, what's the point of it, right? So a couple of questions. Um, Everyone in here probably has seen or is somewhat familiar with the political and social climate that we live in today, right? So how many people in here would say that... uh, you expect that we're heading for some turbulent times and perhaps war. Right? We, we kind of see that looming on the horizon, don't we? Uh, maybe even in a global sense. We see global actors right now causing a lot of upheaval in a big way. I, I wonder what would change on your average weekly routine if we were invaded by a foreign force tomorrow. If the enemy was running rampant in our streets, causing destruction and chaos all around us, what would we do different? Right? What would change about Monday morning? What would change about Monday night? Throughout the week, what would we what would we do different? Would it change drastically? Would everything change? If we were suddenly invaded by a foreign force and the enemy was wreaking havoc, All around us. Lots would change, wouldn't they? A lot of things would change. Some by necessity and some by choice. So let me ask this question. And let's get some interaction with this one. I want to see what you guys think. Right now as we sit Sunday morning here in Indianapolis. What do you call this area of Indianapolis? Just Indy. Okay. Sunday morning, right? 1140. Are we at peace right now? Or are we at war right now? Peace? Hands? Okay, who says war? Yeah, I say war. I say we're already at war. I say we never haven't been. I say we never haven't been. Let's look at what the Scripture says about that. Let's turn, first of all, I'm going to read a handful of them here. Let's turn, first of all, to Ephesians chapter 6. And I didn't mark them in my Bible today, so we're just going to have to flip around a little bit. Let's start with Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look verses 10 through 12. Pretty familiar passage here. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God... That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It goes on there to talk about the armor of God. And there's some really great studies we can get into talking about that armor. Some really great studies. We don't have time for that this morning. What I want to focus on this morning from that passage is I want to talk about our enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Right. Right. But we sure do wrestle. Yep. There sure is a conflict. We sure do fight against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're seeing a lot of that today, aren't we? Yep. Boy, is that spiritual wickedness in high places not manifesting itself in strong ways, yep. especially in our country today. Let's look at another one. Let's go to 1 Timothy 1.18. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Paul's telling Timothy, this is how, this is how you're gonna war. You're gonna war a good warfare. In fact, Paul frequently referred to people as fellow soldiers. He often talked about striving together. You know, I've seen churches will have, you know, striving together for the gospel. You know what that word striving means? Fighting. Strife. It's to fight. A war. A battle. Let's look at another one. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Right over there a couple of pages. 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 3 through 4. Thou therefore endure hardness. Boy, this is one of my favorite verses. Endure hardness. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. There's a lot of good stuff in those two verses right there. Um I've often in the past, when my kids are suffering or going through some difficult times, I've uh, I've used this person, I'm like, hey, but how about you just endure some hardness? I served in the military for a time, in the army. And you want to know what soldiers do? They professionally endure hardness. Right. That's about all. Like you might have another job within that, but basically what you do is endure hardness. Yeah. As much as possible. You know what I mean? Maybe more, especially if it's unnecessary. We prefer unnecessary difficulties. That's sort of what we relish. And we like to, and it doesn't have to be fancy. Maybe it's just standing in line. You know, soldiers stand in line a whole lot. That's a lot of what we do. And it It's boring. And sometimes we do it really unnecessarily. We're just trying to endure some extra hardness there. But it says, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes we t- take that to be a little bit of a metaphor. Right? Endure hardness like soldiers do. No, it says endure hardness as a good soldier. Yeah. Because you're a soldier, you ought to endure hardness for the cause of Christ. Because you're a soldier. And we're going to get back to that verse later that says, No man that wareth entangleth himself. But first, let's flip over to 2 Corinthians uh, 10. And we'll park there for a little bit. And we're going to look at uh, verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We war, but we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We war, but not after the flesh. Right. And I think this is why a lot of us, especially in America, Christians, have missed the war. We've lost the fact that we're at war, or we've never been aware of it. Because we readily identify physical warfare. Right, we've all seen physical war we're seeing physical warfare happen right now all around the world. The United States just came through the longest two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan in its in our history. In our history. We've not had wars that lasted twenty years long. And ended in abject travesty. Right. Right? But we know what that war looks like. We probably all know someone who served in that war. We identify that. That's war. There's tanks. Guys with body armor, there's rifles, they're shooting at each other, right? That's war. We identify that. But that's just one manifestation of it. Because the root of that war is sin. That's where it comes from. That's where war is born out of. It's born out of sin. And there's other manifestations of war that we don't necessarily readily identify as war. What about political corruption? Political corruption is... Just another manifestation of the spiritual war. Because it comes from the same place. Right? What else do we see that's a manifestation of the spiritual war that's raging? How about social corruption? Societal corruption? Look at our education systems. Look at what the media is pushing on the people at large. Right? Look at the moral decay of our society. It's horrific. Right? Right? Our society now is calling good evil and evil good. That's where we are. That's just another manifestation of this war. That's another tactic of the enemy in this war. So the conclusion that we draw here regarding this war, right? And the reason that I can say, yes, we're at war, unequivocally, and we've never not been at war, is because this spiritual war that we're fighting, that we're supposed to be fighting, Right? That's the root of all of the other conflicts and all of the other wars. Not that are happening now, but that have ever happened. Since the fall of man, we have been at war. We never weren't. The problem is, is here, largely in our country, prosperity has blinded us from it. We've sort of lost the point, a lot of it, and not realized that we're at war because... Our wars are fought on foreign soil. We send troops other places. So we've kind of forgotten that there's already a war raging here. It's just not after the flesh. A right, right. couple of certainties that we have in this war that we're fighting. Right? And these are big. Don't miss these. Um, our God is not only invincible. Our God is unopposable. Amen. Right? Yeah. He has created existence. Yeah. Everything that exists, God created it. God created existence. You realize that if a God is eternal and never has begun, this is a hard one to wrap your brain around. That means he created the very idea of existing. It came from him. So as scary as any other thing might be that exists in the entire universe, it exists. Because God made existence and God is beyond it and larger than it. He's not just invincible, He's unopposable. The second victory, or the second certainty we have in this war that we're fighting right now, should give us a lot of confidence because the victory's already been decided. The enemy already got defeated. It's like, well, then why are we fighting if the enemy already got defeated? Guess what? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've accepted His sacrifice for your sins on the cross. We call that being saved. Amen. Saved from what? Saved from wrath. Yep. Right. Because as Brother Travis talked about this morning, there's a day coming when the wrath of God will pour out upon this earth and right. He will punish sin. That's right. And it's not going to be pretty. Amen. And we've been given this task with the foolishness of preaching to reach as many souls as we can. Amen. Because while we have these two certainties, our God... You can't oppose. And the battle's been won. The uncertainty that we don't know, and the reason that we're still waging this war, the reason that we're still fighting it, is we don't know how many souls the enemy's taken with him. He knows he's getting defeated. He already knows. He knows he's done. He knows, he, knows, he knows God better than we do. Think about that. The enemy knows God better than we do. He knows he doesn't win this. He's already been cast out of heaven. He's taking as many with him as he can. He's taking many, as many of God's creation with him to punishment. And that's what we're fighting for. God has given us the task, right, of using the foolishness of preaching to reach the souls of the world. That's our job. It's called the Great Commission. Amen. We talk about that all the time, don't we? I think we missed kind of a point of what that is. Look, a commission is special. Think about a commission in the military. An officer is commissioned, right? He's given a command with authority. It's a command with authority. So when we were given a great, the great commission, it was given to the church. God took a group of people and placed them in a special unit. You might, you might call it a special operations unit. Because yeah. God left behind, Jesus left behind on this earth, one unit of right. troops yeah. to take the fight to the enemy. That's what he left us here for. Why? To spread the gospel. Amen. To save souls. Amen. He gave us that task. We've been commissioned to that. And we're the only ones here. The church is it. There's not, besides the church, that's been commissioned with the authority to do this job. That's the job we've been given. Here's a quick SITREP. SITREP is an acronym for situational report. SITREP on how things are going. We're failing. Especially in America. I'll talk about America a lot, but especially in America at large. The church has been invaded with Western Christianity. I like to call it churchianity cultural it's very cultural and it's been it's been it's generational and cultural um we serve three hours a week that's that's our dedication to god is three hours a week on a pew in a church service right if you're if you're consistent and you're faithful on sunday mornings good what a good christian you are and then if you're a real go-getter christian and you go sunday night too wow inspirational inspirational but what if you're just almost like martyr people who come every midweek service? <laughs> right? You come on the midweek services, you're like, you're like right there. Like you're basically a missionary at this point. Right? But that's what... That we don't think that way, and we laugh at that because that's ridiculous. But all across this entire country, the entire country... Almost Western Christianity at large, that's what we've been relegated to. That's what we've come to. Our service to God happens inside four walls. We come, we sit, we listen, we sing, and we think that we've done God's service. We think we've lived our faith. Why do we go to church? Because it's important to us. Why is it important to us? Because our faith matters to us. It's a foundation in our life. But that's where it stops. Because we have the American dream to go chase. Right? Right? We have priorities. You know what I mean? So there's a necessary course of action here. There's a course correction. And again, I say our country needs to take. Maybe Western Christianity needs to take it, but for sure our country needs to take this course correction. Why? Because we're still the freest nation on earth. We're still the most prosperous, prosperous nation in the history of the world. We still are. So we need to take this one course correction, and there's two things we need to do. The church in America needs to enlist, because there's a war, and engage. We're going to talk about that today. Let's talk about enlisting first. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. This has become probably my favorite passage in the Bible. And we're going to spend a little bit of time here. And the first two verses. as I think there's some things in here that we need to pull out that maybe we've skipped over. Um, Paul writes here, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a few things, I think, that we need to look at here. First of all, this is an urgent, fervent, imploring request. Paul says, I beseech you. And I would say that today. I beseech you. Amen. Our country is going to the toilet and souls are being lost. Not, in our, not just in our country. Around the world. There's so many open doors all around this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just got back from Sierra Leone. Five days, we were able to spend five days on the ground. There's over 500 people that got saved in those five days. When's the last time we saw 100 people a day get saved here? It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I'm not saying that it can't happen, but I'm saying there's a harvest in many places all around this world. And we have the greatest ability to get to it, but we're not. Because we're not enlisted, because we're not in yet. Because we've got priorities. It's an urgent, fervent request that by the mercies of God, you're bought with a price. You ought to present your body as a living sacrifice. Amen. Um, this is where I think we get some things mixed up. See, in our in our Christian culture we have this thing we talk about surrender. And we talk about it a lot, and I don't like it at all. I don't like surrender. You surrender to an enemy. So if you've surrendered, that means you were God's enemy and you came to him. But Christians aren't called to surrender. That's sort of passive. That's like, all right, I give up, fine. Sure, okay, you get it. Christians are called to present. Right? And this has been ever since the Old Testament. They presented sacrifices to God, asking Him to, do, to accept their sacrifice. What obligation does God have to accept this sacrifice? This is a worthless sacrifice to Him. Like, this is all I can offer? This is all I've got to give Him? That's, that's worthless. It doesn't hold any value to Him. It shouldn't. That this one individual from a life of sin, who's not anybody, and I should come to God and be like, "All right, God, you're welcome.
1: Right.
3: I'm here. I've go ahead. I'm have surrendered right. to help God out. You're welcome, Lord. You're welcome for my uh, for my sacrifice. You're welcome." After um, the invasion in Pearl Harbor. It was bombed, right? After that invasion of Pearl Harbor, when the U.S. entered World War II, there was the largest influx of military enlistments that our country's ever seen. Ever. Any war. People were lined up for miles saying, we just got invaded. There's an enemy out there. They're after us. And they stood in lines to present themselves as a sacrifice to their country. That cause was worth them taking their lives and saying, here, let me in. I want to serve too. In fact, there was cases documented that when people weren't able to serve, when they weren't able to enlist, that they killed themselves. Because it was that important to them that they could present themselves to their country to serve, to fight for freedom, to fight for future generations. That's how important it was for them. They stood in lines. We don't have people standing in lines to serve God. right? We don't have people standing in lines to go to dangerous places where you can die. We don't have people standing in lines to go on Tuesday night visitation. You know what I mean? We don't have people standing in lines. Um, because we're sort of waiting to surrender. You know what I mean? We're sort of just waiting to give up. But then what happens when God starts to call you to something? Or when God starts to pull on something that you've got in your life that He wants you to forsake? What happens to us? We start like doing this tug-of-war with God. Our mindset is 100% upside down. We're not something that's special that God should want to use. Right. right? And if God wants something from us and we're not willing to give it to God, who are we to deny the creator of the universe anything in this life? Right. How arrogant are we to think that we should resist the call of God? No. On the flip side, we should be taking everything that we are, everything that we want, everything that we're currently doing, our dreams and hopes for the future, and saying, "God, I don't deserve to work for you, but would you take this? Would you ex- This is my sacrifice. It's everything. It's." all of this life, would you take it? Would you accept it? Because nothing on this planet matters except for what we do for God. That's right. Nothing yeah. on this planet matters except for what we do for God. We should yeah. be so lucky, we should be so fortunate as for the creator of the universe to accept us. That's right. to, receive, to work. For, we get to work for God, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? We can do that? That's a deal. We ought to be running over each other to try to get in line first. That's the change we need to make on that. I've heard a lot of people, when we talk about this total surrender idea, people have told me this. Brother, those are dangerous prayers. (laughs) Right? Those are dangerous prayers. Um... We have this mindset where it's like, well, that's for the that's for the full-time Christians. Right? The pastors, the missionaries, the evangelists, those those people who are full-time Christians. As as if there's a regulation for part-time Christians. Right. right? And we don't say it that way, but we act it.
1: That's right.
3: Right? We don't we don't talk about it like that, but that's just how we behave. Well, that total surrender idea, that's for the full-time people who are going to go to Africa and live there for the rest of their life. I don't think so. I think it's only reasonable. That's right. I think it's your reasonable service because of what God has done for us. He made us. That's pretty cool that God created us. Right? And then He redeemed us to Himself. Amen. And then He wants to have a relationship with us and then he's allowed us to serve him, man, it's only reasonable. It's only reasonable that we would take everything that we are and give it to him. It's only reasonable. The next part says not to be conformed to this world, right? And what a lot of us think, and a lot of Christendom has come up with is, we'll dress a certain way, and we'll talk a certain way. And we won't go to places where the bad people go, and we won't do some of the things that the bad people do, right? So we're going to look a little different, and we're going to act a little different, and we're going to pretend to be a little bit, like we're going to be a little bit better. We're not going to do bad things. Well, guess what? We shouldn't do bad things. We're going to do good things. Guess what? We should do good things. That doesn't mean we're not conformed to this world. Because guess what? We all make our decisions based upon. We like to say we do this, but you know what? As a country at large, Christians in this nation, yeah. it's careers and jobs. Yeah. That's where we, we're brought up that way from young ages. What are you going to do when you grow up? I'm going to be a firefighter. How about you go to work for God? Yeah. Yeah. We're conformed to this world. Our job culture, our career culture, yeah. this chasing the American dream idea, right? There's nothing wrong with these things. God says to take care of your family. God, the the Bible's full of uh, of verses that talk about being prudent, right? Being diligent, not being slothful, taking care of your family. They're, those are good things. But that's not the first priority, right? That's not what your life is built around. Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And guess what else? All that other stuff, that'll be added unto you. That'll be added unto you. Don't, don't worry about that. Have you seen the grass in the field? How beautiful it is? It doesn't work for that. Right? Have you seen the birds? I feed them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And I'll take care of all the rest of this stuff. That's where our conforming, our conforming to the world Second Timothy 2, chapter two verse four, we just read that. it said, "No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life." Why? So that he can please who's chosen him to be a soldier but most Christians in this country we're tangled up right
1: yeah.
3: And we get to be because we have a lot of prosperity here like, well, the economy's down and it's hard to get... I just came from Sierra Leone. We eat consistently. Right? We sleep in a bed most of the time, don't we? We've got it pretty good. There's a lot of things in this life, in this world, in this country that can distract us. And we get entangled in them. Right? Because while we might not look like the world, or talk like the world, or dress like the world... Man, we're still conformed to it in so many ways. We've got to be transformed, right? That's what we're doing here. That's what the Word of God does for us. It transforms our mind. We've got to keep coming back to it. Now, you guys got a lot going on in this church. You guys got services going on. You guys got activities going on. You guys got visitations going on. That's fantastic because the constant immersion of ourselves in God's Word is what transforms us. That's what gets us out of what the world is doing that we sometimes accidentally take for normal. Well, this is what everybody else is doing. No. Pull out of that. Let's go to the Scripture first. What does the Scripture say? Let's do it that way. It says to forsake all of this right, and present your body a living sacrifice. And there's something really cool here. When you, when you add these two verses together and you go through this progression... Right? Present your body a living sacrifice. That's wholly acceptable unto God. It's your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can prove what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. A lot of times we struggle. I know as a young person, I struggled a lot with, oh, I don't know what God's will is for my life. You know what you're not going to? Until you get in. You're not going to get orders If you haven't enlisted in the military yet. Right? There's no one sending you a set of orders in your mailbox, right, to put boots on and go to a war zone. Why? Because you're not in the military. So why is God going to give you orders if you haven't enlisted yet? You haven't even got in yet. Like, I don't know what God's will for my life is. Yeah. I know. You've got to enlist. You've got to get in. I think that if Christians could get a glimpse of who God is, if we could just get a little peace, a little traction in our minds of exactly who God was, I think we'd be beating down His door to work for Him. I think we'd be standing in lines, looking, searching, begging God, begging God to take us. Please let me serve you. I don't care if it's scary. Because guess what? It's scary Sometimes. I don't care, it's worth it, right? Not unlike joining the military. What if you die in the military? It's worth it. What if you die in the service of God? I wasn't planning on talking about this, but Elijah Beatty is a 19-year-old boy. Take that back. Elijah Beatty was a 19-year-old man who went on two mission trips this year. First two mission trips he's been on. South America, man, they roughed it. They're riding in these long wooden boats way up the Amazon River. They were hiking 10 to 15 miles between villages, going from village to village, doing solid 20-mile walks, giving the gospel. Tons of people got saved. Elijah's brother dropped him off at the airport about a month ago, I guess now, when we went to Sierra Leone. And he said, his older brother, Andrew said, man, this is real. Like, you're not going to South America, you're going to Sierra Leone. Like, you could die there. Like, there's legit reasons and ways you can die. You could get bitten by a snake. It's like, you mean, you're going out into the bush where there's no hospitals. What if happens if you get hurt along the trail? You'll just, you'll just die. There's so many diseases out there, you could catch malaria. And that could kill you. And Elijah told his brother it's worth it. He said, it doesn't matter. It's worth it. So he went to Sierra Leone. And in five days, he saw over 500 people get saved. And he was a part of that work. And two weeks after he came home, he died from malaria. A rare strain of malaria that didn't have symptoms for the first two weeks he had it. In fact, he didn't exhibit symptoms until the last 24 hours of his life. And they didn't get him to the hospital. Well, they got him to the hospital fast enough, but there was a hang up with the medicine and because it was such a rush situation and it was so unexpected he was taking malaria medication it was, no one saw it coming he died you might die serving the Lord right it's worth it it's worth it and that's what Elijah said at 19 years old he said it doesn't matter it's worth it David told his brothers when Goliath was there defying the armies of God It's like, is there not a cause? Is there not a purpose that's worth it? What else are you going to do? What other purpose do you have that's as important as this? You got something else going on that's more important? So many soldiers come back from wars and commit suicide. You know what a big contributing factor to that is? don't have a purpose they sit there and they look around and they say what's the point i was a machine gunner on a qrf element if i didn't do my job right the entire squad was in mortal danger right i had to be sharp i had to be on my toes it was important there was purpose there and i came back to the united states and you know what happens if i don't show up to work on monday not a thing. Literally. You know what? There might be some guy that calls me and yells at me a little bit and is like, hey, you didn't show up for work. And I'm like, God, I didn't want to. No purpose to it. What's the point? That's what so many soldiers are. Once they leave the military, once they leave the combat zone, they're like, what's the point? What's the purpose? Amen. There's a purpose. That's right. There's a cause, and it's worth it. It's right here. And the enemy would like you to think, What's the point? There's not really any purpose in life. It's because He doesn't want you to face Him. Because as long as He can keep Christians in this country sleeping, as long as He can keep us sitting back waiting for God to you know, send us a written invitation to serve Him, He can keep us from being dangerous to Him. And He can take more lives, more souls to hell with Him when He goes. What are we doing on time? i got some more to talk about, but let me know how long I can go. Enlisting requires faith. I like to do a tactical analysis between Joshua and Moses when they came to the Jordan River. Right? Because we know the story about Moses and the children of Israel. They came to the Jordan River, and uh, they sent spies to spy out the land. And at the end of the day, ten of the spies came back and said, Whoa! This is not going to happen. We saw giants. Like, there is giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers. These these dudes are big. There's walled cities. They have chariots of iron. We are going to get squashed. You know what we overlook a lot of times when we read that story? They were right. Tactically, they were correct. Israel didn't stand a chance when you looked at it from an earthly perspective. They were going to get. We had a bunch of nomads from the desert, right? On foot with swords, right? They didn't have bows and arrows until later on. That was something that David brought along. They had swords, probably some spears. Maybe they threw rocks. I don't know. But we got a bunch of light infantry facing walled cities, giants, and chariots of iron. They didn't have a prayer. And they said, if we try to take this land, They're going to kill us all. That's not the worst of it. They're going to enslave our families and take all of our goods. And our families are going to live their lives as slaves to these people. It was scary. So they decided what? They decided not to go. Right? They decided not to go. Important thing to remember when they decided not to go and they lived their life in the wilderness. They were still God's people. God still took care of them in the wilderness. God still fed them, right? Provided them with quail when they needed it. He still judged them when they did wrong. Like they were still God's people in the wilderness. But they didn't have faith to do what He wanted. So they lived their lives in the wilderness. You know what Christians in this country are at right now? We're wandering in the wilderness. We're still God's people. God still takes care of us. He still shows us things from his word, but whether we've not chosen to enlist or whether we've not chosen to do what he wanted us to do, we've decided to wander in the wilderness. Joshua comes along, right? That entire generation dies off in the wilderness. Joshua takes over. They come right back to the same place. What tactical advantage did they have at that point? What improvement in their tactics or equipment or training in their equip you know what I mean they didn't they didn't have chariots yet they didn't have walled cities they'd just been wandering in the wilderness for 40 more years they didn't have any bigger advantage than when they first came in fact god told joshua i'll be with you the same as i was with moses the same you don't get any advantage you don't get anything better the difference is is they got in right they said okay we're going And God says, I'll take care of you. In fact, I'll give you a sign when you cross the Jordan River, I'm going to part it for you. So Joshua and the children of Israel stood there waiting for the Jordan River to part. No, they didn't. God said, when the the feet of the priest touch the water, that's when I'll part it. So Joshua and the children of Israel got up, lined themselves out, and headed for the river and walked through it. Guess what? They'd made the decision to walk through the river already. They'd already already gotten in. They already said, God wants us to do this. This is what God has given us to do. This was their great commission. We have a great commission to take the gospel to the world. They had the commission of taking this land. They said, this is our job. We're going to do it. So they got up and they walked for the river. And they were walking through the river. Guess what? Feet touched the water. Water parts. They walked through on dry land. They did the scary thing first. Yeah. They invaded the land first. They decided to walk through the river first. Mm-hmm. Then God took care of them.
1: Yeah.
3: Amen. Then they went to Jericho. And God says, go ahead and invade this. Break the gates down. Right? Take some positions around it. Lure them out of the city. Right? Flank them. No. God said, walk around the walls of the city. Right. Yeah. That's not how you fight. That's not how you... That's not, how you take, that's not how you lay siege to a city. They walked around it. You, you think that might have been scary? You think there's probably archers on the wall of the city? I wonder how often archers from the city walls took, took pop shots at the children of Israel walking around the walls. That's probably scary. After they obeyed, though, the entire city fell apart. Literally fell, it literally fell down, right? After they obeyed. See, Christians in this country, especially... We want revival to hit this country. We really do. We want to see cities evangelized. We want to see crowds of people. We want to see churches every three blocks. We want to see revival. But because we haven't enlisted, we're still standing on this side of Jordan, and we see Jericho over there, and we want Jericho to fall. And we're begging God to bring down the walls of Jericho, and we're taking rocks and we're chucking them across the river trying to hit Jericho with them. But we haven't got in yet. Yeah. We haven't got in yet. Right? We haven't taken our whole lives and said, My life is forfeit to me. Yeah. Take it, God, and do something with it, and I'll serve you wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want. I should be so fortunate to be spent in the service of God. Amen. Not till we get to that place as a nation will we see revival. But when we get to that place as a nation, not only will we see revival in our country, we'll get the Great Commission accomplished. That's when we'll start going around the world again. That's when we'll go to places where in five days you'll have 500 plus people accept Jesus Christ. That's when we'll get to the places where someone lives there right now who's never heard the name Jesus Christ. And no one's going to go talk to him. Not until we get in. Enlisting is a choice, too. I talked about this a little bit. The children of Israel, they chose to go in the wilderness. Jesus said several times, and this is a whole other message in the New Testament, if any man will come after me. He said, if any man will come after me. That's not salvation. Salvation's free. Salvation was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, and he offers that as a free gift. All you have to do is accept it. Salvation's free. In this country, we get to accept salvation without consequences. Many other places around the world you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been marked for death. Right. Or your family will disown you. A lot of you have to make a choice. Like you you don't have this whole I can get saved and then still live my life the way I want to. No, if you got saved, you got in. Yeah. Not in this country. In this country we have a choice. If any man will come after me. Right? I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole other message, but it's a choice that we have to make. We can choose to live in the wilderness and still be God's child and live with no purpose. For what? That's enlisting. The second thing we need to do is engage. I, uh, I like this analogy of the church. Who has ever heard of a FOB, military Brother, a FOB is a forward operating base. This is more like a combat outpost, right? This is more of a cop here, a combat outpost. But I, I liken the church to a FOB because it makes a really good analogy here. And, and there's so many parallels between physical warfare and what the church is to do. There's so many parallels because we're at war. So a FOB is a forward operating base where a unit is stationed at this FOB in this area of operation. And their job, right, is to take the fight to the enemy in the area of operation that they've been given. Higher command has given them this place to operate. This is where you're going to take the fight to the enemy. Okay? So what happens if... Let's just talk about some of the things you do in the FOB first. Get ahead of myself. The FOB is a good place where there's shelter, right? You can come. It's somewhat protected from enemy fire, right? Um, When you're wounded, you can go there and heal, You can eat there. You can rest there. There's some, right? Um, You do battle drills. You do battle drills in the FOB to practice for the mission when you go out of the FOB. All right, this is what we're going to do. You're going to do this. This is your job. That's your job. Let's practice it together. Okay, now let's go execute the mission. Okay, battle drills. So what would happen if this unit in the FOB suddenly took this cycle of perpetually healing up Feeding, resting, battle drills, healing up, feeding, resting, battle drills. But they forgot to leave the fob. What happens to the unit that doesn't leave the fob to take the fight to the enemy? Two really important things happen. One, the enemy is not denied freedom of movement. Freedom of movement is necessary in war. accomplish your task. The enemy is not denied freedom of movement now. So what does the enemy do if he's not denied freedom of movement? Well, the second thing thing is decisive defeats are not taken against enemy strongholds. Enemy strongholds will not fall because the unit's not attacking them, and the enemy has freedom of movement in the AO, area of operation. Those two things happen. So here's what the enemy does with freedom of movement. And strongholds that are secure from attack. He takes more territory. Right. One after another, after another, after another. He takes territory after territory after territory. And guess till what? He's got all of it. Yeah. And then he turns as a focus to the fob. Because the fob is a stronghold of his enemy. Yeah. And he picks off the defenders of the fob one at a time. Until the last... Few struggling defenders of this fob are looking out across all of this vast territory that's been taken by the enemy, and they ask themselves, what happened? How did the enemy become so pervasive? How did he take all of the territory? It's because we forgot to fight him. In America, for generations, we forgot to fight him. We forgot to fight the enemy. We forgot we were at war. We've been operating inside of our fobs. And now the enemy has all of the AO. We've been defending for a long time. And the problem with defending is you never win a war on defense. And we do physical defense as our ministry. We help churches set up defense. We do personal defense, right? That's because this is a spiritual war that manifests itself in the physical world. But guess what we have to have with defense? Defense. Offense. With no offense, you will just lose slower. That's all. That's right. Let's look at Matthew sixteen eighteen real quick, and I want to point something out in here. And this is where Jesus is talking to his disciples. He just got son- he just got done saying, "Hey, who do men say that I am?" And they'll say, well, some this, some that, some this prophet, some Isaiah, right? And he, and he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says in verse 18 here, And when I, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." He's talking about himself. He'll build on this rock himself, he'll build his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so this is how we've been interpreting this verse for a long time. We're safe here. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us here. Right? We're here in the church. We're safe. The Bible says the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. But we've missed something. Gates are not an offensive mechanism. Right? We were never guaranteed safety in the face of the enemy. Go to Iraq and look at churches there, what happened to them and tell me that we were guaranteed safety in the face of the enemy. Nope. Nope. We weren't guaranteed safety. This isn't a safe place. But we thought it was, and so when the governor got on live television and said, close your doors, you're not essential, we complied. And that fob folded. Right? And that happened all across our nation. We got a clear picture of where the church was in America today, didn't we? Right? We folded. Here's the thing gates are a defensive mechanism. The enemy uses them not only to keep people in, hostage, right? The enemy's prisoners behind those gates being held hostage and taken to hell, but he uses them to keep people out, namely us, his enemy who have been commissioned to smash the gates down and rescue the hostages behind them. Gates are defensive. And we've been promised right here, they won't stand against us. The gates can't stand against us, but we have to attack them. We have to to go after the gates, right? Because we weren't only given defensive equipment, were we? We talked about the armor of God at the beginning. We didn't go through it, but it's not all defensive, is it? we got some offensive weaponry, don't we? That's sharper than a two-edged sword, right? right? The enemy can't stand against this. It's the word of God. It's our offensive weapon. We take this to the gate, the gate falls. The enemy can't stand against it. It's our guarantee. But we have to engage the enemy. If we're not taking the fight to Him, we're not using our weapon against Him, He's just going to take more area. A <clears throat> couple of last thoughts here. It's a war. The enemy gets a say in it. Right? Who's been in a fight before? Who got hit? Right? When you're fighting... You're going to get hit. Yep. It's part of warfare. It's part of striving. Yep. You're going to get, expect resistance. The enemy's not going to like this sort of talk going around, going out, out in the churches. He's not going to want Christians to start buying into this sort of idea of, of enlisting whole life, enlisting into the service of God and taking the fight to the enemy. Satan does not like that idea. Right. That's dangerous to him. Because he knows his gates are vulnerable to our attack. So he's gonna strike. He's gonna come after you. If he's not coming after you, it's cause you don't pose any threat to him.
1: Yeah.
3: He's perfectly happy with your pursuing pursuing a career. Your Satan is perfectly happy with Christians reaching high levels of success in career worlds who are, you know, committed to church attendance. Yeah. Right? And who give, you know, give some of their money to the to the offering, give some of the money to the preacher. Give some of the money to the missionaries. I could talk about money, but I'm not going to right now. <clears throat> Christian, are you a non-combatant? Are you a non-combatant in this war? It means you haven't fought. It means you're standing by. You, you haven't enlisted yet. We, we're being attacked. The enemy is literally running through the streets. Like I said at the beginning, yeah. he's running through the streets, creating chaos and destruction everywhere, all around us. We're in, we've been invaded. We've never not been. What are we doing about it? Are we a non-combatant? Is there not a cause? Lost person. I don't know, maybe everyone in here is already saved. I, I pray that's the case. But if you're not, understand this. You're what we call a cob. A civilian on the battlefield. You're without protection and you're at the mercy of the enemy. And the enemy doesn't have any mercy. Pastor, you come.